Calling all AEC professionals. Get ready for unparalleled professional insights with detailed and original podcasts by RCAT. This is the podcast that brings you the untold stories and lessons learned behind the design and delivery of a building project. Hey, it's Sharice Lakeside, aka the CSI Kraken, and your host. Join me as we dive deep into the tales of conflict, triumph, and sheer ingenuity. Yeah, so when Serena was named for the, it was going to be named for the building, you know, we really were able to work with teams at Nike Branding and how to really infuse her influence and identity in the very public spaces. Detailed features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who spill the beans on the most complex, interesting, and downright odd building conditions they've encountered. Another challenge of the of the shuttle is actually and putting it in launch position is how you brace that seismically. It's really supported by only two pins at the base of the booster rockets. And there's a large base isolator that's underneath the shuttle that kind of prevents it from moving too much in an earthquake. The, you know, when you have 600 people or 300 people in a room, acoustically, you really need a high floor to floor so that you can have the right acoustic environment for people to be able to talk and that, that speech intelligibility is really good. Every episode unveils lessons learned and connects you to the products you need to navigate similar challenges. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Detailed today and be prepared for the unexpected on your next project. Every building has a story and we are here to tell it. I wish I could have been alive to see. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going like, to say. Was alive. <laughs> it was alive. Spakey, and welcome back to She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. On today's episode, we will talk about Astra Zarina, who was a professor at the University of Washington School of Architecture and began their Rome Architecture Program. I'm Lizzie Rahr, celebrating being 31 in San Francisco, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Jessica and Nergidi. I'm Nergidi Rivas, welcoming Lizzie to Club 31 in Houston, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> and I'm Jessica Rogers, celebrating Lizzie's trip around the sun, based out of Washington, D.C. It's time for our disclaimer. The three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We're just sharing stories about the information that we find about each woman. If we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us. Leave us a comment and we will all continue learning. Okay, our episode today is a listener suggestion from my coworker, Kathleen. Astra Zarina was her professor when she studied at UW. Our story begins in Latvia, ladies. Gatavs? Ready. Ja. Okay. Astra Zarina was born on August 25th, 1929 in Riga, Latvia. Her parents were Eduard Zarins and Alma Zarina. She had two brothers and a sister. Ooh, shout out to Lizzie's mom, Carolyn, and my dad, Jerry, born on the same day as Astra just a few years later. Something Woo. magical must have been brewing that day. Yep. Yeah. Well, her father was very involved in politics, so 
1941, when Germany invaded Latvia, they fled the country. Oh, wow. Also, I like the political intrigue. Feels like a movie already. Yeah, I wonder where this story is going to go. Mm. Well, they went to Salzburg in Austria first to stay with family, but they weren't allowed to stay there permanently. So they kept moving south and rode out the war in a small Austrian village near the Italian border. Biedioj, how sad they couldn't stay with their family, but glad they found a safe place for them. Yeah, that was just a horrible time during a war and constantly having to find refuge. I know. Well, luckily, the war ended and they were able to move to Esslingen in Germany, where they stayed at a refugee camp. While they were there, Ostra started studying at TU Karlsruhe in the architecture program. She was 16 years old at the time. OMG, she was so young. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, after two years, the family was granted political asylum to the U.S., and in 1949, they moved to the Pacific Northwest, and Ostra began studying architecture at the University of Washington in Seattle, and she received her Bachelor's of Architecture in 1953, and she won the Faculty Award for Design and Excellence. Amazing! Mm -hmm. Now you know who probably granted her family asylum in the U.S., right? Miss Lady and Everything, a.k.a. Season 3, Episode 28, Woman Frances Perkins. Oh, oh wow. wow! You know, she, That's she was That's so cool! Yeah. All of the ladies are connected. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of, during her senior year, Astra won the Carrier Weathermaker Home Competition with her classmate, Douglas Philip Hayner. The competition as you might guess, was sponsored by the Carrier Corporation in Syracuse, New York, which listeners might remember from episode 26 on Margaret Engels. Yeah, when you said Carrier, I was like, wait a minute, we know this name. I love how we keep connecting people on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey. It's funny how I think that now Carrier, I just associate with Syracuse and Margaret Engels. <laughs> More than air conditioning. Yes, I'm loving all the connections. Well, not only were she and Douglas partners on this competition, but they got married on December 26th in 1953. Oh, oh, hey, hey now. I bet Douglas told her, are you Latvian? Because you make my heart beat rigorously. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't believe it. We went there. Oh my gosh. That would have won me. I just saying. That would have worked my, on her. It would have won my heart. <laughs> it would have worked on me. Are you Latvian? <laughs> because my heart beats rigorously. I'll be like, That's... I am now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, Astra first got a job in Seattle working for architect Paul Hayden Kirk. She quickly decided that she wanted to keep studying, and so she applied to Harvard, IIT, and MIT. She received a scholarship from MIT, so she and Douglas moved to Boston in 1954, and she worked on a Master's of Architecture at MIT, while Douglas did one at Harvard. Hashtag power couple super gudrus. 
Couple goals. <laughs> yeah. After graduating top of her class in 1955, Astra moved to Michigan to work for architect Minoru Yamasaki as a project designer. Does that name ring any bells to you, ladies? Nevar Boot. I don't know who this person is. Well, my homeboy, Mino, was the architect of the Twin Towers in New York, which is kind of funny because he was afraid of heights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, Lizzie, do you know do you know if she was an upper a youper or a troll? Was she a troll? Wait, no, she moved. She was to... a troll. <laughs> she was a troll. She moved to Detroit because she, she moved to Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Oh, shout out to all the trolls out there and the oopers, youpers, youpers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, his firm was chosen to design the original World Trade Center in New York City in the 1960s, and he was also a graduate of UW, like Astra. Oh, okay. Astra working her connections. Ew. While working with Minoru, Astra contributed significantly to the designs of the Detroit School of Arts and Crafts and the First Methodist Church in Warren, Michigan. The Detroit School of Arts and Crafts is so nice. It's a steel and glass building, but to avoid it sticking out like a sore thumb in the context of trees and houses around it, it has a garden and a perforated brick wall in front of it. And the brick wall also serves as sound insulation from traffic and just creates a really intimate space. Ooh, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check it out next time I'm in Detroit. In 1960, Astra was the first woman to be awarded the Rome Prize in Architecture. This is an award given by the American Academy in Rome every year to 30 people in various disciplines. As a winner, you receive a stipend to go live and study in Rome for six months or a year. Oh, that sounds so cool. I would have loved to stay studying in Italy when we were there. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Miss it. Yeah. So she moved to Rome that same year and ended up being able to stay longer in Italy because she got a Fulbright Fellowship. Oh, I wish I thought of doing that. Yeah. Mm. That sounds so cool. But what about her hubby, Douglas? Was he able to be in Rome, too? Yes. They lived there together. And actually, they won first prize, which was $15,000, in an international architecture competition. Goodness, they really were a power couple. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, in 1965 and again in 1968, she became a visiting lecturer at the University of Washington's Department of Architecture. Two years later, she convinced the chairman that, quote, I can teach much better in Rome. And he agreed. So in 1970, six students were selected to go to Rome with her. Originally, it was a one-time deal, but it was so well received that the program continued and the UW Architecture in Rome program was born and is still going strong today. Okay, Astra, I see how you're trying to finesse your superiors. <laughs> but on a serious note, I love this. Studying abroad was definitely on my list of requirements when deciding which university I wanted to attend to. And actually, I can honestly say that our time abroad was such a turning point in how I approached design. I feel like it should be a requirement in all programs. I couldn't agree more. How amazing that Asada started that. I love how she paved her career and that of others. 
Yeah. One of the original students in the program was actually Stephen Hall. What? Wait, hold up. So one, Stephen Hall is still alive today. And also, Stephen Hall is a famous architect of our day. He's an architect and watercolorist. He has won the AIA gold medal. He designed the reach expansion of the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts here in D.C. He also has a new building here in Houston. It's the Nancy and Rich Kinder building. And it's a new extension of the Museum of Fine Arts. Actually, we can include that in our list of art ventures if we try to look for Astra's influence in Stephen's design. Sounds like we got to go to Rome first. That's true. We need to study <laughs> Astra. Exactly. We need to understand where it's coming from. Yeah. If we yeah. come across a glass of wine and pizza, yeah, that wouldn't hurt you. Mm, you know, you know. <laughs> well, Stephen credited Astra for teaching him to think about architecture in a cultural context. Astra thought of Rome as a living classroom and wanted students to experience the city, analyze it, and sketch it. Remind you ladies of anything? Uh, yeah. <laughs> While we were studying abroad in Florence, we took a class called Survey of Italian Architecture. It was basically like a sketching class. Well, not so much on the actual sketch, but exactly what Astra is teaching and explaining. Analyzing design, documenting these historical concepts through sketching. It's also interesting that she mentions the city, too. We looked at historical buildings, sure, but we also looked at the city as a whole. And Rome was definitely a prime case study for this type of course. Yes, that was one of my favorite classes. It's where I drew that analysis of the Saha building we discussed on episode 18. Oh, yeah. Listeners, be sure to follow us on social media to see some sketches and photos from our time there. So we will be posting that this week. Oh, guys, like I'm getting like flashbacks. It's like a trip down memory lane. I miss sketching and traveling. Traveling. Right. I'm excited to go through our old sketches. Astra felt that studying the urban design of the city would help students see how the people interacted with the city and with each other, and that this would be beneficial to their future careers. Of course. Preach. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. The UW-Rome program kept growing. She said, quote, students come to Rome not for the academic credits they earn. Judging from their outlook, definition of urbanism and worldview, many have said spending a quarter or more in Italy has expanded their concept of time and given new meaning to the city as an artifact of history. What do they learn? Besides how to speak better Italian and the value of good footwear, they come to know moment by moment what is often said but difficult to comprehend, how architecture and cities are expressions of the cultures that produce them. OMG, I could cry. This is so true. My Italian got so good. I mean, I've nearly forgotten it now. And <laughs> the value of good shoes was such an important lesson, for sure. But the living a different lifestyle was one of the best experiences, hands down. Studying abroad was definitely a highlight of my college experience, you know, besides meeting you ladies. Of course. But really, we are definitely better designers and humans because we had the privilege to study abroad. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Same for me. It was a once in a lifetime experience. So Astra was described as full of energy and spirit. 
She tended to have multiple projects happening at one time, and so in addition to starting a study abroad program in Rome, she was also doing work as a practicing architect, and she owned a farmhouse near Rome that she renovated and restored. And she also published a book on rooftop living in the Italian capital. Ooh, I need to get my hands on that book. That sounds like such a lovely career. Uh, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she also had some things going on in her personal life. She and Douglas got divorced. <gasps> Ooh, drama. Oh, no. <laughs> but then she married architect Anthony Costa Haywood in Rome in 1971. He was an American who worked at a large architecture firm in Italy. Ooh, okay. Well, that felt so quick. Like, I haven't even gotten over the heartbreak of the divorce, and she's already married? Do you think that she made Anthony's heartbeat rigorously, too? <laughs> Lol. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she did. I'm um, sure she did. So, Astra commuted between Rome and Seattle for years. She and Anthony lived in Rome, but Astra would come back to UW to teach in the spring quarter and would live with her parents while she was there. That sounds intense. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Apparently, she didn't even travel with clothes after a while. She would only take books and papers and just had things in both spots. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of do this when I travel back home to Miami. I have a decent amount of clothes and some bathing suits at my parents' house so that I can always just travel light. I used to do that, but when I get to Puerto Rico, the clothes smell like they've been in storage for a year and I don't like it. So I stopped doing it. Oh, yeah. I Febreze the crap out of that and drown it with my sister's perfume. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could try that. <laughs> so when Astra was first living in Italy in the 1960s, she would visit a small hilltop town 60 miles north of Rome called Civita di Bagno Reggio. And she found the town fascinating. It is a 2,500-year-old town perched on a plateau that is only accessible by a pedestrian bridge. So the town was carless, and it had been cut off from most modernization. In addition, it had been hit heavily by an earthquake in 1695 and World War II bombings, which put the town at high risk because the soil is soft clay. Even to this day, the town is constantly at risk of erosion due to soft soil. That sounds like a fun town. Those are some daredevils living there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of Mexico City. Well, there were no cars in the village had 12 full-time inhabitants at that time. And I don't think there were many more even today. That sounds really weird, actually. Yeah, talk about a small town. Yeah, definitely. Astra loved this town and the history. On one of her trips, there was a really bad storm, and a family offered her to stay in their one-room house while she waited it out. She told them how she loved the town and their house with a large fireplace, and they offered to sell it to her on the spot, and she bought it right there from them. What a great story! Like, this is a movie. She's living in a movie. <laughs> I know. They must have really wanted to get out, but I... <laughs> <laughs> but that's really sweet slash that is also on my bucket list so if my italian village people are listening you know who you are we should take notes mm. yeah yeah get caught in more storms 
Is it like, doesn't this happen on that Under the Tuscan Sun movie? Oh my God, that's one of my favorite movies. It's something similar. I want her life. I want to buy, <laughs> I want to buy a village. I want to buy a village in Italy. It's yeah. going to happen. Some we'll get it. We'll get it. Okay. It'll happen. For the next few years, Ostara restored the house and worked on a few other restoration projects around the town of Civita. The town didn't have water or central heating when she first arrived, so she put in the first functional bathroom in town. Wow. Bravissimo. Okay, jumping back to 1976. Since Ostra had such great success with the Rome program, she decided to start a second UW study abroad program in Civita, the UW Italian Hilltowns program, where students lived with local families while they studied and documented the town. This program helped adapt many of the town's buildings for new uses and brought the town into the modern age while keeping the historical integrity through careful restoration. This is so friggin' interesting. Astra is now... Yeah! Astra is now impacting urban design too? Like, what did she do? And the fact, also the fact that her students are taking part in this is amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, right? (laughs) When in Rome, do as the Romans do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds so cool. And this reminds me, so Lizzie and I, we actually lived with the host family in Italy. And I think that definitely enhanced our experience. And even in design, the idea of talking to the locals definitely can impact the betterment of design, especially when it comes to urban design. Yes, I loved that we got to live with a host family while we were there and see the culture of an Italian family. Mm hmm. 1976 was also the year that Astra's book about rooftop living I mentioned before was published. It was called I Tetti di Roma, and it was a collaboration with photographer Balthazar Korab. In the book, she argued that a successful city is connected by all levels of public space, from truly public destinations at street level to the personal yet still public scattering of individual terraces and everything in between. I already love this. This is right up my architecture junkie alley. Sorry, I was looking up the book. <laughs> you could literally like, book. distract me. When well, I heard a silence, I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, send me the link because I need to add this book to my list and my shopping cart like right now. Also, this kind of is giving me some episode 25 Jane Jacobs vibes. Right? Oh, yeah. So while she's running the Rome program and the Hilltowns program and working and writing a book, She hears about a building in the center of Rome called Palazzo Pio. The building is from the 15th century, and she thought it would be the perfect place for the UW Rome program and an apartment for herself. Sure. Who doesn't want to live in a palazzo? There goes Mm -hmm. Astra again, finessing her way to something awesome. Like when she finessed her way to Rome at the beginning of this. Yeah. Do you guys remember what the name of our school building in Italy was? Villa Rosa? Yeah. Yeah. That building was really nice and all, but now I'm thinking we need a palazzo. Well, Astra talked it over with the provost and the dean of the College of Architecture and Urban Planning, and she convinced them and got them a lease on the building. She also designed and oversaw the renovation of the classrooms and the residential space. Molto bello. 
<laughs> so Astra needs to write a book on negotiations and the power of persuasion. Seriously. I want to know how she was able to get these people to do this. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so true. The palazzo was on the site of an ancient temple and theater that was founded by Pompey the Great. The house was used by the Orsini family in the Middle Ages and was called Palazzo del Orologio because there was a big clock tower on the facade. The family who owned it after that was the Pio da Carpi di Savoia family. And that's when it started being called Palazzo Pio. And actually, when Astra was overseeing the renovations, they discovered the old clock tower ruins and she worked it into the restoration. Okay, can this story get any more interesting? This is such a dream to work on a project like this and discovering all the history and bringing it back to life in a new way. I just love it so much. Like, this yeah. is really cool. Like, really, really, really cool. Bravissima. We need to put it in our adventure list. Yes, I really want to see the building now. The new space, which they called Bio, opened in 1985. Astra was the director of the Rome Center from 1984 to 1994. The building was originally for architecture students, but now Bio has programs from all different UW schools, such as business and literature. About 80 to 100 students come each quarter, and the Architecture in Rome program celebrated its 50th anniversary last year in 2020, all thanks to Astra. Astra really loved teaching and said, I'm an architect. I am also by nature a teacher. I love to see people develop, grow, discover themselves. When I work with them, I discover things too. Students said that her teaching went beyond the classroom. She would often invite students over to her house for dinners. And my coworker actually said that she called them her didactic dinners. Hmm. Teaching is really a vocation. And to have an architecture professor with a passion for teaching, for really being invested in someone, that is really important and a blessing and can really influence someone's perspective and career. Yes, for sure. What a remarkable teacher she must have been. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned before that Astra and her husband, Anthony, or Tony, helped restore many buildings in Civita, and the Hilltowns program was started there. But she and her husband also co-founded the Northwest Institute for Architecture and Urban Studies in Italy, which is now called the Civita Institute. The institute is a nonprofit based in Seattle, that promotes excellence in design through educational programs and cultural exchanges between the U.S. and Italy. Ooh, fascinating. We should figure out how to apply to this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She and Tony also lobbied for the town of Civita to be added to the World Monuments Funds list of 100 Most Endangered Places, and it was added in 2006. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely endangered because you could be in danger mm. with that sinking town on a hill with no cars. Sorry. It's probably changed a little bit since then. Yeah, I'm well, sure. Yeah. Thanks to Astra. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, just another low-key achievement for Astra. No biggie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Astra and Tony moved to Civita full-time in 2001. She still taught a few classes, but she taught her last one in 2003. She had been teaching for 33 years. Oh, what a remarkable story. Also, she's been teaching longer than Lizzie's been alive. Well, then all That's of us right. have been alive. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> but in a way, it feels like short. 
Like, yeah, I would have thought she would have taught longer, but she was working before. Yeah. Considering that she started at 16 taking architecture classes like that's true. That's a lot. But I mean, I feel like we were students of Astra for 30 minutes just now. I really wish I had her as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, could you imagine her class in Italy? Like, it sounds like a dream. I want to go. Right. I'm like very jealous of my coworker for having had her as a professor there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Astra passed away on August 31st in 2008. She was 79 years old. And in 2019, there were two exhibits put together about her life and work, one in the U.S. and one in Italy. The one in the U.S. was actually in a space designed by Stephen Hall, her former student. Oh, how incredible to be able to host a show for one of your favorite professors in a space that you designed. I wish she could have been alive to see it. Like my dad sings, Lo que me vayan a dar, que me lo den en vida. Do you want to translate that to our nope. non-Spanish speakers? Okay. <laughs> Look up the song. <laughs> oh, well, what they, what they're going to give me, they should give it to me while I'm living. Yeah, like, um, oh, what, don't what, wait for me to die. Give me my praises and my dues oh. while I'm alive. Hashtag I like a character. Yeah. Giving them their flowers while they're still alive to smell it. Exactly. That's what the song says. Yeah. But your dad sings it more eloquently than how I try to explain it. Anyway. um, But I will say this. For them to create these exhibitions in her honor, I think it's a testament of how much of an impact she had and how influential she was to her students, the universities, the hill towns in Rome. This also reminds me of why we chose this theme of educators. It's women like Astra that can have such an impact on the profession. I mean, hello. She basically created Stephen Hall, the architect. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Well, before we leave you, we have to tell you who our karyotid is for this week's episode. Jessica, can you remind us what a karyotid is? Speaking of character, because we were just talking about it, but to further elaborate, to further elaborate what we're talking about here, a karyotid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek style building. Each episode, we'll choose a karyotid, a woman who is working today doing her thing to further the profession through their work and who also ties into the historical woman of our episode. Without further ado, this week's karyotid is... An Italian. Madili Okumabwa. Yay! Yay! So... Madili attended the University of Tennessee and Georgia State University to receive undergraduate degrees in architecture and urban studies. She then went on to get a master's in African studies from Clark Atlanta University, focusing on the evolution of modern vernacular architecture in Nigeria. Very, very impressive. Those sounds like really interesting majors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 2013, she founded CPDI Africa, or Community Planning and Design Initiative Africa. This organization is a research-based, cultural-inspired initiative created to develop a new architectural language for Africa through design competitions and their global studio. 
Madili serves as the director of the African Global Studio Program, which is an African-centered academic platform for architects and designers, which teaches philosophies not found in traditional architecture education. It is a virtual platform, and architects and students from all over the world can take classes from leading professors and architects who are known for teaching African-centered architecture. Yeah. Okay. So I first came across Madili when I attended AIS Forum virtually, maybe I think it was earlier this year in 2021. She was a keynote there. And granted, this conference was for students and I was there because my job sponsors the event. But anyway, she was there to talk to students. But I felt like I was learning some things, too. The way that she talks about African architecture was so inspiring and fascinating. It was such a great introduction to such a rich culture that also included things like building materials and rituals and how that all influenced design. But yet they spun it in a modern way. And yeah, it like, well, one, I want to take some of those classes. Two, I just wish they taught classes like that while we were at school. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it- Our education tends to be so Eurocentric, which is such a big problem. And to know that there's an alternative or I'm not sure if alternative is the right word, but I can't think of another one right now. So, well, to know that it exists and it's virtual, like I can join from here in Houston and learn more about this culture and architecture Mm -hmm. that I know very little about is amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to look more into this. Lizzie, are you going to post some helpful links on the website? (laughs) Yes. I will post a link to the Global Studio website on the show notes. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I just love like Astra with her study abroad program and Nadili with her global study program. I am rigorously feeling a connection. My my heart beats rigorously. Rigorously. (laughs) Rigorously. I just had to work the last one in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, before we say arrivederci, we want to say grazie to CMYK for the music, John W., our technical producer, and most of all, grazie mille for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning about Astra and Madili along with our banter, and that you are inspired to find out more about them and other amazing professional ladies. Again, grazie. She Builds Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. <laughs> please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your Italian professors, your regular professors your assistant professors, your tenured professors, you know, the people that live in Italy or that speak Italian, that like pizza, tell them to give us five stars on iTunes. Write us a review. This will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these astronomical ladies with us. (laughs) (laughs) We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com, leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. 
Ciao. Arrivederci. Ciao. Astra. 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 That's what you hear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Astra Sarina. Okay, yeah, great. you're saying it right. Hey, designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if, if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. <laughs> the official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tales behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today.